Hey, welcome back to the show. So today is part two of the Sam Yaffa interview. If you guys didn't listen to part one, I would go back and listen to that. He, Sam is incredible. This interview was amazing. I wanted to put both parts in here because of the value that he gives. Just a little context. So Sam has now launched his second fund in his 20s. Um, super young guy to do this. Did this in, in Southern California. Didn't feel like he could get a job on Wall Street investment banking. They weren't recruiting at his school. So he said, screw everybody. I'm just going to launch my own fund. And they started raising money from alumni from both the schools that, that him and his partners were at and be able to scale that. They were an early investor in Lime Bike, you know, those little scooters you drive around on town. I mean, they've done incredible things with their funds. And I think this interview won't disappoint. Hope you guys enjoy. Peace. I've spent the last three years learning from some of the most ingenious fund managers around. And now I've decided to take the plunge and start my own fund. The real question is, how will I do it? With no investors and without an Ivy League degree, this podcast is going to give you the answer. Join me and follow along as I share mine and other stories as we start and build multi-million dollar investment funds. I'm Bridger Pennington, and this is Investment Fund Secrets. If I just feel like if I keep getting up to bat and keep swinging, I'll eventually, I'm going to hit a single, I'm going to eventually hit a double, maybe, and maybe one day I'm going to hit a home run. But, and I'm going to strike out a couple of times, but at least I'm up to bat. If I can stay alive, stay healthy, keep a, you know, low in like low leverage, not a big house and mortgage and stuff. Um, it's way better being at, at the plate swinging than sitting on the sidelines, you know, eating popcorn, watching the game. Like most people in this world, they like to the kind of the peanut peanut gallery. They Mm -hmm. like to make fun. They like to poke. They like to say, well, you can never do it but they've never actually swung a bat themselves. One of the things that you mentioned about, you know, hitting singles and not aiming for a home run. So one of the most important things that I actually, I actually got to have a sit down one-on-one meeting with David Nazarian, who is uh, my business school at Cal State North. They're just called the David Nazarian Business of College and Economics, right? And I actually got to sit down in a meeting with him. And mind you, he's likely worth over a billion dollars or his funds over a billion dollar fund and one thing he told me he said if there's if there's anything i want to like pass along to you or for you to understand is that do not aim for home runs do not aim for grand slams everything that you're going to do in life is going to be a baby step take baby steps all the way up to the top because it's easier to achieve baby steps it's easier to hit singles but if you aim for home runs that's where you'll keep striking out you know so and it goes back to that thing, you know, the overnight success is years in the making, right? So you got to build your business one step at a time. You can't expect to just eat the elephant in one bite and all the way and just be at the top, you know? And I've been doing this now for four years. I've been running a fund for, and, you know, I'm not even near the top of, uh, you know, my competitors who have been doing this for, you know, 20, 30 years or whatever it might be. So, uh, you know, aim for singles. And if it just so happens to be a home run, you know, you, you got the, the mazel, you got the luck. <laughs> yeah. I love that. That's a great, and I, that's a cool story from that, um, that, that gentleman that told you that I, I yeah. totally agree with that of yeah. hitting. Yeah. I don't, I don't have anything to add to that. That was perfectly said. I love what you said. So, <laughs> um, I'm in the same boat as well right now. I've ran my fund for about two and a half, three years. Um, so looking forward for you, what is kind of next? What do you see down your pipeline? And do you sometimes regret you didn't, you know, get that JP Morgan, internship or that job or Goldman Sachs? Are you happy now looking back? Where, where are you at? I'm definitely happy looking back, but I would say I've had a, a lot of sleepless nights. There's a lot of uncertainty of, you know, getting a paycheck, I guess you could say. So 
if you're somebody who needs stability and needs to see a consistent paycheck, then I wouldn't say starting up a fund is necessarily for you because you also have to think about how you're going to get paid. And that's, you know, one of the most important things when starting a fund. Um, because uh, here's the best thing what I hear from everybody. Everybody wants to start a venture capital firm, right? Everyone wants to find the next Uber, whatever it might be. But what people fail to think about is that, you know, when you think about things like Uber or you think about like Facebook, these took over five to 10 years to even have an exit, right? So if you started up this fund while you were young and you didn't have any other side income or anything, you're literally, you're not making any dollars. You're just sitting there doing nothing. And in fact, you know, another misnomer is that everybody thinks just because you are a venture capitalist or just because you are an investor and you raise your fund, that automatically means you're going to be successful. And that couldn't be more far from the truth. Most funds actually, you know, fail than actually succeed. And from speaking to venture capitalists, you know, over the years, basically, or not just venture capitalists, but even people who run public private equity funds or, you know, public investment funds, whatever it might be, how they look at it as seven out of every 10 investment will likely either lose you all your money or lose you some of your money. Uh, two of the three, two or three of those investments will either make you some money or have you about break even. But it's that one out of 10 where you're accidentally going to get a grand slam or not even a grand slam, but just like a very consistent return. And that one investment should make up for the rest of all your other investments. So if that never hits, which and more likely it won't happen than not, then you know, you're out of luck. So I would definitely say um, there are times where I'm like, oh man, like I could be making, you know, six figure salary working at JP Morgan or, you know, whatever Goldman. But at the same time, it's like, uh, I will make as much money as I put into work. So the more deals that I, I find, the more deals I close, the more due diligence that I put in, reading the company's financial statements, doing uh, background checks on the company's management team, really finding out where the best opportunity is, that's going to, uh, you know, that allows me an unlimited income potential. So I'm not capped. And that's why I, I personally like what I'm doing because I know I'm going to make as much money depending how hard I work. Whereas if you work the, you know, you get a salary job and there's nothing wrong with that. You can get a salary job for three to five years, learn the business. And that's, that's most people's traditional route, right? You know, I did a little bit of a one-two skip a few and uh, ended up just like as a portfolio manager, as an undergrad, right? But um, it, just, it just depends your risk tolerance. And uh, like, for example, now during quarantine, there's not really that many attractive deals for my fund. So um, as I mentioned to you, I am looking down other avenues to do side incomes. For example, I invested in a hand sanitizer business because now there's a demand for hand sanitizer. So you do want to also find side incomes while you are starting the fund, but um, it really just depends your risk tolerance and obviously liquidity of a fund. Uh, you know, if you're doing a st uh, options fund, you know, you can lose all your money or make all your money in one day. So it yeah. just, it just <laughs> depends on you as the person. Yeah. I think that's a great point about talking about the time. And I, I love what you said too. You could be making a six figure salary, but you've chosen this path and your earning potential is unlimited. And yeah. mm -hmm. I think your learning potential is unlimited. I mean, yeah. in a job, I've worked a few nights, like internships and other jobs. And I feel like I always was just capped out on my learning. Mm -hmm. I feel like an, being an entrepreneur is the number one highest learning curve on the planet. You have to learn so many things so fast and it's kind of fun. 
Like, it's yeah. not like grudgingly, like I'm studying for a test. It's like fun to learn how to really underwrite an, a company that you're going to buy because it might make you a million dollars, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and so you're like really motivated and it makes you learn faster. I feel like entrepreneurship is the fastest way to learn anything because then you apply it directly into your business. Definitely. And being, and, and one of the cool things, so me personally, I always, uh, you know, want to get involved with different types of businesses. I feel like I'm a dynamic person. So for me, when I look at um, potential deals, you know, one company could be a consumer product or, uh, you know, life science company that has clinical trials, whereas the next company, for example, like it could be a cannabis company. So I actually enjoy speaking to these companies, learning each of their trades, learning the specifics to, you know, like I could explain how there's three clinical trials. And before you do clinical trial one, you need to do a, an IND, initial new drug application. And then uh, on, the, on the back end, you have to do a new drug application, okay? So that's for that. But then I know, let's talk about cannabis. You know, if you want to open a dispensary in California, uh, there's this big thing called social equity to uh, increase your chances of getting a, a dispensary license, for example. So I really enjoy learning about all these different sectors that, you know, if you are working that salary job, you might not be able to. So that's, but that's me personally, right? Whereas there's a lot of funds that are more narrowly focused. Um, and the reason being is because I told my investors I want to be able, from the get-go, I want to be industry agnostic. I want to look at all the sectors. Whereas, um, you know, other people, they might only know specifically, hey, I only know about, um, you know, Alzheimer's diseases. And I will find the best publicly traded or startup Alzheimer's companies, you know? I love it. Um so last couple of questions, then we're wrapping up on time here, but sure. talk me through, and I felt this a little bit, I want to hear your answer of yeah. what, what gave you the cojones, like the, the confidence to right, go out right. and launch a fund. And then, then, then the fear, I, I think every fund manager has fear. It doesn't matter how old or young you are. It's fear of losing yeah. money. What gets you over that fear and helps you conquer that? Right. So I knew going out to raise the fund, it was not going to work from, Hey, I have all these years of experience and that's what other funds have to offer. So what gave me the cojones was figuring out what is my strength? What do I actually feel confident saying? And what my pitch was for Trident Funds was I will help you, investor, identify all the best and upcoming millennial companies or millennial impactful companies. So when I had brought Lime, Lime Bike to the table, you know, this is something they had no idea about. This was before it was all over Santa Monica and the beaches and all internationally, right? And this is something that they didn't know about. They don't know what our generation likes. They have no idea. You know, think about it when you're working with your parents and they need to help you. Hey, uh, Bridger, can you send a video on my phone, for example? You know what I mean? So, but think something like that, whereas for us, it's like, oh, like, you know, video, like why, why do that? I'll just FaceTime or Zoom or like, there's so many different things that, you know, they don't know about. And the reason being is because our advantage is we're up to date with the trends. We know all the new tech, we know what's cool. And that's where I played to my strength. So when I reached out to, the, to these investors, I said, I don't have a ton of experience, right? Running funds. And, um, I will, I, you know, I, I mentioned to them, I will need potentially help, you know, structuring the fund. And, but this is because, you know, I played the student card, right? Um, on the other hand, where I will bring you value is that I will help you identify all the up and coming millennial impactful companies, right? And then I brought them line bike and that's where it all, you know, kind of started. So, and, and that's another thing. When you want to start a fund, 
if you can bring them a deal or already bring them something that's kind of already there on a silver platter, that will definitely increase your chances of, you know, uh, investor engagement. Okay. Sam, you're speaking my language right now. I love it. Bring them the deal and play to your weaknesses. That's like, I preach that on this show, like all day, bring them deals and play. Like I play to being too young all the time. You played to being young. That gives you an advantage by being too young. Oh, I just like, I'm like bursting over here. I love it. Right. And then in terms of, you know, make pulling the trigger on the investment and, you know, how I can sleep at night with my investors money. So that basically comes from, you know, the harder I work, the more I put into due diligence, the better off I will be. And if my investors are not going to make money, I will definitely not be making money. Right. So when I got, you know, there's deal flow is endless. There's one thing I need to, you know, anyone who's listening to this deal flow is endless. There's not, there are only one fish in the sea. And I'll be honest with you. One of the first investments that I had brought to my family, and this is like a very personal thing to me. So I was actually 19 before I even started Trident Fund. I thought, you know, I was a big swinging, you know what? And um, I had brought this quarter million dollar investment into the CBD company to my grandmother because my grandmother is an investor. She was a founding investor of like uh, Six Flags, for example. Anyways, she had uh, ended up making this $250,000 investment. And when all was said and done, she actually lost 50% of her money. So I was actually the one who had cost my grandma, you know, $125,000. And I actually worked, worked to make that money back for her, you know, thankfully. But it's, it's that idea that, look, you're going to get a ton of deal flow and any, there'll never be, you know, the last opportunity, right? You, if you see an opportunity and it sounds good to be true, it's likely too good to be true. That's one thing uh, for sure I've learned. And then the second part of it is that when you look at these opportunities, you want to find, you really have to push for your investors to make it as riskless as possible. So whether that means you have to structure it a certain way, whether that means you need to do stuff like, hey, you're raising money for your company. The only way I'm going to give you money is if you personally guarantee my investment. You put, you know, collateralize your house or collateralize your equity in the company, for example. You, when you're in the investor's shoes, you hold the keys. You're driving the ship, right? And that's one thing you need to understand or, you know, for those listening have to understand is that, your money is not free and you have to make it known right away that you will only invest in the best deals. And, uh, that one la and then the one last part to it was one of my mentors taught me only on is that when you are reviewing uh, deals and you are speaking to management of these companies, you know, act like you already have a million bucks in your pocket. Act like you don't need to do their deal, right? Because you'll be a more clear-minded and better investor thinking that you already have you know, money in your own pocket you know, so you don't have to rush into investments. So that's one thing I would say, you know, act like you already have money and that you don't need to make the investment. I love it. Sam, that's, that's great advice. And I, I love it. Oh man, I love it. So wrapping up here, what is, uh, what would be your parting advice to listeners of this show? People that want to start a fund eventually, or even start a business in general, maybe they're young, maybe they're old. What would be your parting advice for us, for the world? Give it to us right now. Okay. So First and foremost, don't overwhelm yourself. Don't try to do everything at once. So that's why I really express the importance of putting a business plan in place because you can't eat the elephant all at once. It needs to be bite by bite by bite, okay? And then the second thing is 
don't be discouraged by not seeing results, right? You might not make profit for six months, a year, two years, for example. So, and, and that goes back to my point, you know, there's no such thing as being patient enough. You're literally going to be patient your entire career. And, I'm, and when I've spoken to very successful people, they're very successful, but they don't even think they're extremely successful yet. In fact, the people who are like the, the wealthiest people I know are the people who work the hardest, which should be, which is backwards. They should be the ones relaxing the most. But um, it, it really comes down to, I know, you know, hard work pays off and that's not the answer people want to hear because they want an easier answer. But realistically, it's, it's hard work and time, hard work and time. If you're going to work hard and you're going to put the time in and keep going and not stop. And if you fail, find out what you did wrong and keep going. And if you fail and what you did wrong can't be cured, then you need to start over again. But, you know, life is a, is a marathon. And although I'm young, you know, I, I will admit it is a marathon because if I knew what I knew now, uh, four years ago when I started, you know, maybe I would have structured things differently. Maybe I would have done a different investment or two. You know, I'm, I'm still working my, you know, butt off now, but there were investments that I definitely could have been, that I could have done already that would have, you know, made me over five to $10 million, but I passed on those investments. But I used that to drive me to keep working every day to find the investment. So, you know, when that investment comes that I'm comfortable with, then I could pull the trigger. So, um, you know, keep being patient, uh, keep working hard and don't try to do everything at once. Everything is one step at a time and don't aim for a home run. You know, hit your singles just one step at a time, baby steps all the way to the top. Sam, I love it. Um, this has been a, a fantastic interview. Thank you so much for coming on. Um, yeah, no problem. I, I gained actually a lot of valuable insights. And it's funny, the the similarities from, from my story and your, I just, I loved hearing from you. This is awesome. Um, if people want to connect with you or learn more about you, is there a good way to connect with you? I, what, what, what would you suggest? Yeah, definitely. You could reach out to me on LinkedIn. You know, we'll keep it professional. Um, reach out to me on LinkedIn. I'm happy to help you answer any questions. But, you know, people in my network, uh, I love connecting the dots. So, you know, if you're looking for something like, for example, I'm wearing my cannabis shirt. You're looking to start up a cannabis dispensary. Well, the company I invested in is a cannabis consulting company. Happy to introduce you. Um, whether you yourself, you're trying to find work in life sciences, maybe, you know, I could connect you with life science companies that have clinical trials and are always hiring people. So, um, you know, feel free to reach out with your questions find me on LinkedIn, Sam Yaffa. Um, I would put my ad on Instagram, all that, but, uh, we'll keep it professional. <laughs> okay. Sam, thank you so much. You have a great day. Hey, hey, wasn't that awesome? Hey, if you want to learn more about funds, I actually have the unique opportunity to sit down with a co-founder of a 20 billion dollar family of funds for an entire hour and he did a full training on how he launched his fund how to find investors how to find your niche in that space if you're interested go to investmentfundsecrets.com you can hop on that training for absolutely free listen to him for a full hour it's an incredible training and that knowledge actually as a mentor helped me launch my first fund i think you guys will really enjoy it. see you on there bye